Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family planning churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Today we're talking with Dean Folks, lead pastor at LifePoint Church in Columbus, Ohio, about how his church has multiplied and planted other churches through their life groups. Dean, man, it's, it's always good to connect with you. I'm glad that you get a chance to spend some time with you. Yeah, man, thanks for having me here today. It's good to, good to be here. Yeah, so you're in Columbus. Yep. LifePoint Church. Right. How, how long have you been there? We just had our 15-year anniversary. 15 One, years. two weekends ago, something like that, yeah. Yes, and so, and you, how did you get there? I mean, were you from Columbus area? I'm from southern Ohio, which is about two and a half hours south of there, but I went to Ohio State. We say the Ohio State University, yes. which everyone else in the country hates, but we say it anyway. Um, so we, I went to Columbus, went there for school, ended up going away, going to seminary, and then came back there to plant. Do you know, it's so interesting about the Ohio State. We have a, a, an Ohio State fan in our church. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, I was like, man, hey, I'm praying for Ohio State, you know, to, to win. So he's like, we don't need prayer right now. <laughs> that's just, I'll tell you when, you, when we need prayer. Right, and that's the moment. Just, so I think that's the reason why people don't yeah. like you saying the Ohio sure. State. Is it? I, you know you're over the top. Like our university, they just tried to trademark the word the. They tried to trade, like they legally tried to trademark that. So See, yeah. I think we're a little over the top Yeah, that, that is, yeah. that is. So, you're, so you ended up staying in Columbus. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, and did you, like, plant a church? It's like, I'm staying in Columbus mm-hmm. and I'm planting a church. Like, how did that yeah. happen? So whenever I went to seminary, I went to Memphis, mm-hmm. and um, a friend of mine and I ended up planting a church in Memphis. I was there for a couple of years, and then— the church that I was part of in college, they called. They said, hey, we're thinking about planting up on the north side of town. Would you consider coming? And so my wife and I prayed about it, and then we ended up saying, yep, that's what God wants us to do. Yeah, so when you when was that? That was 2004. 2004. So mm-hmm. when, so in 2004, you, you planted LifePoint? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how did that happen? Did you already have a core team? Did you get, gather friends from the Ohio State University? <laughs> yeah. or, like, how did, where, where did you find that original core team? So the guys who, and their wives, who moved to Columbus, there was uh, eight of us, and then I had a couple of kids at the time, so 10 total. Um, they were not from Columbus. And so when we moved, there were some churches around that said, hey, yeah, maybe we've got a few folks there that maybe would want to join you and whatnot. And um, none of that ended up materializing, right? right? So we thought that whenever we got to town, it was going to take, you know, a month or two to meet people and whatnot. We thought, oh, we're going to have 100, 150 people before we ever launch. And we ended up having 10 people, right? So we had to flip that strategy on its head kind of and say, you know, instead of kind of trying to get a crowd and develop a core team out of it, we said, no, we're going to have to get a core team, and eventually maybe get to a crowd. Mm. So we just kind of flipped that strategy on its head a little bit. And how long was that process? So uh, we started meeting in our home. We had 14 people the first time we met in a home. We bounced around to a couple of different places. And after about six months, we had about 65 people meeting in a house. So we decided that's too many people, yeah. you know, in a house. So we went and found somewhere to meet, did a couple of preview services, and, and started meeting. Together. So was it more driven by kind of these benchmarks of when you guys would launch, or did you, like, early on set a date and, like, all right, this is the date, and we need to get to that date? Yeah, so in my mind, there were there was a date on the calendar. Yeah. Um, but we realized <clears throat> it doesn't make sense to have a Sunday service, right, when it's just a small group. Yeah. And so 
Um, so, yeah, we just decided we're going to wait until God brings people who are consistently part of us who feel like family. So the first, I think the first 100 people who joined our church, um, they had dinner at our house individually as families, yeah. which God bless my wife, yeah, right? Uh, so, um, but we just thought, you know what, we want to have, be relationally connected instead of just weekend connected, instead of just starting a service. Um, so that just took more time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how did you build it around where it wasn't just around you, but you built it around kind of a core team and getting that core team? Because yeah. I mean, you just talk about 100 families all being connected to you. Like, but how did you not just make it about you? Yeah. So each of those months, we talked about one of our five core values. Mm -hmm. And we had a different expression of those values all along the way. So every month, one of the guys on our team, one of their wives, um, would express here's how we're going to live that value out. Yeah. So it wasn't just me leading a study, leading people. There was definitely a diversification of leadership and gifting that we knew that we needed. Yeah, I, I love that. At, at the Network, one of the things that we we believe is that we want to see a healthy multiplying church in every community across North America. And, you know, you went from just simply planting the church, but now you, you're a multiplying church. Yeah. You have a passion to multiplication, a passion to seeing other churches planted. Where does that? Did you plant with that kind of vision, or where did that develop? Yeah. So early on, we um, when when it was time for us to begin meeting on Sundays, we were in a community that was growing, and uh, Columbus is the seventh fastest growing uh, city in the country. I think there's 82 people a day right now. They're moving to Columbus, mm -hmm. so it's a growing city, a growing place. Um, but when we were looking, no one was interested in having a church. So I think we looked at 32 different locations to meet on Sundays that we visited, that we looked at, that we checked out, and we just we couldn't find anywhere to meet. So we ended up meeting at a community center that was outside of really where we wanted to be. We met on Sunday nights. And um, eventually there was a church, part of our network, that was going to kind of close up shop. And so they said, hey, you can, you can have our building and we'll just kind of join. There was 20-ish or so people there at the time, and they said, hey, we'll just join you. Uh, now, they had some indebtedness on the building that we had to take over as well. Um, but so we ended up doing that, and we started meeting on Sunday morning. So all of a sudden, we were meeting in two different locations, mm -hmm. and um, we thought, you know what? We could do this. Mm -hmm. um, so I wish I could say that I had this vision to plant yeah. in multiple places. But to be honest, man, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So yeah. we just needed another place to meet. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, so how long after plant to that day did you go to from one to two? Yeah. So um, we launched in 2004, and that happened right at the beginning of 2006. Okay. So we started doing that. Um, and eventually, we that doubled into two services on Sunday morning and a service on Sunday night in two different locations. And the locations, especially the Sunday night location, it shifted all the time. It just kept yeah. kept moving here and there in different places and spaces. Would you consider it at that time? Was you like one church, two locations? Definitely, or? it was just the same the service. Same thing. Yeah. yeah, on Sunday night, different place, different group of people. What we noticed over time is that the people who would come on Sunday night. Even the people who had been coming, they migrated to Sunday morning, even though it was way out of their drive context and, mm -hmm. and all that. So, so how did you maintain that like, <clears throat> DNA, you know, in multiple mm -hmm. locations? How did you keep that? Yeah, so the only way that we could do that <clears throat> was really through the relational connectivity of 
of life groups. Mm-hmm. Um, we're real simple. We don't do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we do we do Sundays and we do life groups, yeah. and that's about all we do. We do three terms a year, so there's a start and a stop mm-hmm. every term. So we're constantly um, multiplying groups. So people have the opportunity to join a new group. When a group gets large enough, we've, every group has a an apprentice as a leader, and so we're constantly launching new groups. Mm-hmm. And so really the way that we maintained a relational DNA is that we emphasize groups. So if we have a term that's about to launch, we talk about it two weeks ahead of time, then we have a Sunday that we call launch day, and then the Sunday after we're still encouraging people. So that's about four weeks for every term, you know, three terms a year. So on average, we're talking about groups once a month on yeah. average. So <clears throat> uh, how do you divide it to terms? Yep. So really it's just the calendar. Okay. So we'll go from starting January, we go to about spring break, and everybody busts up and is going to do something different for spring break. Everybody needs a breather right around Easter-ish. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we start our summer term. We go till just before school starts. Okay. Everybody kind of same thing, reshuffle the deck, right, and get ready. And then we go from September-ish all the way to Thanksgiving. So when you talk about reshuffling deck, are like people leaving and going to different groups at that time? Mm-hmm. Like what is... So we allow, um, we allow our groups, we say you have about 18 months, mm-hmm. and the goal is multiplication. Yeah. So <clears throat> our, inside of a term, we want to help people connect relationally and take the next step in their spiritual journey. But we tell our groups, you get 18 months, and after 18 months, we're going to bust this thing up. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's different strategies about groups, and some people are worried about, well, can transparency really develop over time and authenticity? And, and for us, what we found is that if you have a core of, let's say, eight to ten families uh, in a group, one new family joining doesn't affect transparency yeah. and authenticity yeah. at all. Two new families doesn't, doesn't really affect that. So, so, yeah, we have a free market approach. We invite people to come, and then we, we bust them up. I love it. I yeah. love it. You free market <laughs> approach. You've been talking about multiplication. And so that's the, that's the heart, is that you want to see these groups multiplying. You put 18 months. You have 18 months, and this thing is being busted yep. up. And it's one way or another. Yeah, one way <laughs> or another. And so, okay, so in that, you know, what I love about your strategy and even your terms, you say that this is an opportunity to start new, new yeah. groups, and even new churches have come, yeah. you know, out of kind of doing an evaluation in each one of these terms. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, once again, I'd like to say that, uh, you know, my visionary leadership mm-hmm. said we're going to go to that community and plant a church, but we just try and ha- let it happen organically. Mm-hmm. So over time, what's happened is, for example, in Delaware, we had a number of people coming from Delaware, so we kept starting a number of groups. Those groups kept multiplying until we had um, 11 life groups meeting in Delaware. So in 2015, and we had a young leader that we had kind of incubated. He was a college student with us. He had gone to uh, the first church that we had planted. We intentionally sent him there because we thought someday he may lead for us. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had 11 life groups in that community. We've got a leader who's connected to that community. Um, it only makes sense to plant a church. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, then you've got all of your organizational DNA. Everything is built in. The, the hard part of it, is is just a sacrifice. Yeah. Um, you know, so all of those leaders from, from that community in Delaware, for example, so they had been part of our original campus, which is the one that I speak at, lead at. And um, so everything was great talking about it. And yeah. the vision was great. Mm-hmm. 
And then on the first Sunday when they launched and they were all gone, I mean, we were talking about 175 to 200 people mm -hmm. that we sent and just said goodbye to. And I was not ready for the emotional toll that was going to take. Yeah. They all kind of sat together. They knew each other, and, and it was just like this, like this donut all of a sudden, right? This mm. big empty spot. And they were, when you when you plant that way, the the people who go are people who believe in the mission. Yeah. They're people who believe in the vision. So that changed our DNA yeah. in significant ways because all of a sudden, you know, that's that's people who are serving. That's people who are leading. That's people who are looking for other people to minister to and to reach out to. And so. In doing that, in sending those folks, um, there's a sacrifice. There's an emotional toll that yeah. it takes. So we've kind of landed on this whole idea of we're going to, um, when we plant, we're going to tithe yeah. our congregation. Mm. So when we say we're going to plant, that means we're going to say we're going we're gonna to ask and pray. And you can't make anybody go. You can't make anybody stay. But we can pray towards and we can speak towards 10% minimum of our folks going somewhere else to plant. So our next plant, interestingly enough, um, our next plant, um, just to show you how it happens organically, so we've got a young guy and his wife, they have a young child, and uh, their leadership is growing, their influence is growing. Uh, people are starting to say, you know, maybe someday, and he's leading this life group. That's just blowing up at the seams, right? I mean, it's just growing. They're packing people in. And uh, and all these people are coming from one community that's another community away. And just out of nowhere, they started the group. And somebody from the group said to him, hey, we should go plant a church. And we don't have a class. We don't teach that. We don't just organically. People said, oh, this yeah. may, multiplication makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. That's awesome. Just even to hear that because— it's so many things that you're saying. One, you know, we talked about like this idea of multiplication. When we talk about the bullseye of multiplication is discovering, developing, and deploying mm -hmm. church planting teams from within. What I love about what you're saying is that this these things are organically. These people are coming from college, they're being from your congregation, and they're even initiating that. Yeah. I wish I could say that's a part of our story. Like our our church, like they have almost revolted. You know, right. talk about, <laughs> you know, gaining by losing. Um They've, because, like, so we had to promise our church, like, we're not going to plant in 2019 because we were planting, mm -hmm. you know, it was almost averaging a, a plant a year. Yep. And it was just like, we're not, like, I'm tired of getting to know people and then you sending them off. Yeah. And so it was just the pain of that. But, like, talk about that that tension. It seems like your people are like, I'm all in. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, how have you cultivated that kind of passion, you know, for yeah, I think that part of it um, comes from the fact that we have so many um, so many tight communities that are right up beside each other that it just makes sense yeah. that people don't want to drive from over there to where we are. And so as we've talked about that, that vision to multiply, um, I think the way that people understand it is, well, you know, those folks, we shouldn't ask them to come all the way right. over here to where we are. And so on the one hand, it makes sense. On the one hand, um, I was talking to uh, Troy Nesbitt one time from, mm -hmm. from out of Iowa from the Salt Company, and he made uh, what I thought was a great statement because we were talking about how that's worked in both of our churches. And he said, you know, anybody who says, anybody who says that this is easy, you just go multiply, go send people, go. He said, 
they've never done it, right? Amen. And so until you've done it, and yeah. until you see people leave, and until other people say, man, I miss them, mm-hmm. and um, all those things come with, but yeah, multiplication. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, if, if you don't equate multiplication with sacrifice, mm-hmm. it's probably not multiplication. You're probably grabbing a leader that somebody else incubated, somebody else cultivated, and you're probably taking them and you're sending a couple families with them, and you're, you're which is great. That's a that's not a bad way to plant. Um, but when you multiply, when you discover, develop, and deploy from within, it's just a completely different animal. And not only are you discovering, developing, and deploying from within, you are doing it in a different way. Because what you said was, you noticed that there was 11 groups over here. You noticed that there were seven groups over there. That your church planning strategy was, first, let's kind of see where God is at work. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of like what I see in the New Testament. And this is actually how Blueprint has planted a couple of our churches. Is like, let where is God at work now? All right, we need to raise up a leader. It's yeah. like, God is at work here. We now need to appoint elders and deacons. Most people kind of look at it different. Let's find the leaders and let's send yeah. them to a place to begin to cultivate. Was that also, was that part of your brilliant strategy? <laughs> or, I mean, or, or was that something that you kind of stumbled on? Yeah, so... When we've looked at church planting in Columbus, one of the things that we've noticed, and everyone knows that the number one de- defining characteristic of the success or failure of a church plant is the spiritual and emotional health of the planter and his wife. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. What we found, 1A, and I mean really, really close to that, is the size and development of the core team mm-hmm. to the point that we've almost gotten to the, to the place where we say, let's have those two conversations together because they're almost equally yes. important. In some in some cases not, but in most cases it's that way. So we just decided, you know what, we're going to ask the Lord, you tell us where to go. Mm-hmm. So we try to um we try to employ that experience those experiencing God principles of finding God's activity instead of dreaming it up. So some people have said to me, where are your next five locations? And sometimes I to be honest, I just feel like a bad leader. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where they are because God hasn't revealed to us yet where they are. And thus far, God has revealed those to us through his activity organically instead of us dreaming up something that's our life point vision and strategy and 10 churches in the next 10 years. And and that's great for churches who are able to Mm -hmm. do that and and cast a big big vision. But for us, we just say, we're going to take it one at a time. So 15 churches, 15 years, mm-hmm. how many churches have you been a part of planting? Either through uh, coaching or sending or supporting. I, to give you an exact number, to be honest, I don't know. We're, we're 20 plus mm-hmm. uh, at this point through the recent strategy of raising up, discovering, developing, and deploying um, out of our original campus. We've done that three times in three the last times. five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's awesome. That's amazing. One of the things that we want, you know, being on the advisory board and for us as like Sin Network, we mm-hmm. really wanted this idea of like, we really believe in order to truly kind of continue to push back lostness is that we would like to see 1,200 churches, you mm-hmm. know, being planted every year. We're not at that number right now, yeah. but that's a desired outcome. And so one of the things that we was like, what does it look like for us to specifically just not necessarily put the pressure on planting a church, but what it would just look like for us to, for pastors like you to identify communities, mm-hmm. to plant gospel seeds, to plant a life group. Yeah. You know, um, how do you see, you talk about that like or as something that you already are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you see kind of a pastor or how would you advise a pastor kind of 
being able to do that, like to get into the game, you know, and not feel the pressure of having to play in a church, but just identifying a community, you know, and really trying to like establish a gospel seed, you know, in the community. Yeah. So if you see and sense God's activity somewhere far enough away that you would say, you know what, people would stay there. They would stick there. Just starting a group there. Uh, and see what God does, who God brings, who God connects. And you don't have to go out there and plant a flag and say, we're starting a church in this community. Maybe yes, maybe no. That may not be the spot. And just allow God to uh, really bring the gravity to it. And if he wants to draw people there to congregationalize there, great, then go get it. But if we're going to plant 1,200 churches, the thought, the idea that we're going to say, 1,200 groups equals 1,200 churches is probably not true. If we're going to plant 1,200 churches, we've got to start 2,400 groups. We've got to start. I mean, so we just got to be willing to, the hard part in that is being willing to send your best and understand that that sacrifice means that uh, over time, you're going to have to trust and live by faith that if you send 10% of your congregation, that God will raise up new leaders where you are and return that that investment, you know, good measure pressed down, shaken up, right, over time to you. And we've been blessed to see that twice. So how do you maintain relationships? You talked about the relational, like when you have other life point churches, how do you yeah. maintain that relationship even beyond? Because I think that's part of some of people's fear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I'm losing relationship. I'm yeah. never going to gain that. I'm never going to connect that with them again. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that life point? Yeah, there's a few things that we try and do. I mean, our we get together as a staff team across all of our churches four times, four times a year. We get together, the guys who teach at each of our campuses, we get together five or six times intentionally a year. Other times it just kind of happens organically. We still allow our groups to meet. You can go to one of our churches and if there's a group that you are relationally connected to, you can stay in that Mm. group. It's not, we don't draw hard and fast lines. And then we try and get together twice a year to worship together uh, across our churches. And so, yeah. So is it one church, four locations or is it Four churches. How, yes, how one you, church, four locations. four locations. That's how we talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's exciting, man. Well, man, I really appreciate your heart for multiplication and even mm-hmm. the sacrifice and what you said about if you're not willing to equate multiplication and sacrifice, then you're really not doing it. Yeah. I mean, and that speaks so loudly, you know, to to me and, and to so many others. And so, I really appreciate your your passion. Yeah, you know, to fulfill the great commandment and to raise up laborers for the harvest. So, well, so thank same you. to you, man. You're doing a great job at Blueprint, sending guys out, and just the guys that I know who have come out of Blueprint that I've met so admire, man, your work and sending your best, right? Yeah. It's hard. It is. It's hard. <laughs> it is. But God has been faithful. Sure. Right. Thanks. Yep.